Global Engagement Network. Hey everyone, this is Sean Porter, and welcome to the Sean S. Porter Podcast uh, on the Global Engagement Network. We are off of the YouTube broadcast um, for a while uh, as we get set up with a different location. Until then, we're doing this our thing here on SoundCloud. And today I have with us Sean Prather. He's an advanced research degree fellowship holder with the University of Washington in political science and American history. Uh, he specializes in researching the historical and modern-day impact of neighboring state legislation on local state gun violence. Uh, and although this first meeting we don't touch upon that, that's going to be something we'll definitely have uh, lots of time to do in the future. Me and Sean go back uh, from not just the UW, but also Shoreline Community College, where we study political science. So here, without any further ado, is Sean Prather. The, just pick your brain about what you think about the third party option in this uh, very polarized election we have going on. Uh, I sent you some questions about how you know, Libertarian and Green parties are both polling pretty good, especially the Libertarian Party right now. And there's even a chance they could win maybe even arguably up to eight states. And maybe since that's possible, maybe they could also uh, force the election towards the House of Representatives and that whole thing. That is a, a very long odds. But what do you think about this whole third party thing? Lots of people are thinking Green and they're not polling very good at all. Well, you have to understand how the system is set up to begin with. I mean, it's all fine and well to want a third party option, but our elections, long, the long and the short of it, our elections are run by who can raise the most money. And with Citizens United passing into effectively stone text at this point that we'll never see the end of it, until we do, we're going to be stuck with ultimately as what Noam Chomsky said, a business class. We're going to have a left party and a right party, or a red party versus blue party, however you want to categorize it. But those are the two parties that we're going to be given the choice from until either the Green Party or the Libertarian Party gets a tremendous amount more financial backing than what they have right now. The big problem is, is that all it takes is a little bit of suspicion of the unfamiliar to the average American voter and they're going to go with what their comfort zone is. Most people, uh, a lot of Washington will vote Democrat, a lot of it, you know, the Eastern Washington will vote primary Republican, and the long and short of it is, is that green parties and third party candidates for any sort of major party position have a lot of uphill battles to face. So I'm glad they're trying. Let's, let's, let's not be entirely cynical here. I'm glad they're trying to get out of there and field get their message heard. But until they can raise that kind of money that it takes to compete with the big boys, they're going to be regulated to kind of a third-party uh, privilege-based option. Uh, that's interesting. Do you think that at least there's the chance that they're going to skew the votes from the two parties enough that it's going to have an effect like uh, the Green Party did in the 90s? I think it's we're going to because we're looking at the green the green party is the offshoot of the democrats and libertarians are an offshoot of republicans. Um, if I have to really put it in a in colloquial terms, it's the green party is effectively the democratic tea party and libertarians are not as bonkers as the best way to put it as conservative reactionary republicans or tea party tea partiers or whatnot. You're not they're going to pretty much offset each other in elections until 
we have one clear option that's a third option. If they decided to join forces and say, look, we're going to be more of a centrist party, I'd give them a lot more credibility and a lot stronger chance to make something happen. I mean, it's all nice and well to say, I'd like to see more options on the table, but until these other two parties, until either one, either the Libertarian Party or the uh, Green Party learns how to fundraise like crazy, like the DNC and the RNC have, they're going to be regulated to, like I said, a second-class citizen at the table, which is unfortunate. I mean, let me be clear on that. It, it, I wish I wish we had more options, but the way our system is set up presently, it just doesn't exist. And That's I tend to lean where you go with that, um, as mm -hmm. far as uh, if the Green Party and Libertarian would agree to join forces and possibly put together a ticket and a platform that represented the whole, as opposed to being the polarized um, positions on both sides. The question that I would ask to you guys is, what's easier, having those uh, parties learn how to fundraise and do it well, or people taking action to get money out of politics? Which one was easier? Hmm. What do you think, Sean? Citizens United was a genie in a bottle. Once it's out, it's out. There's no stopping it. Because what you're what you're doing is you're asking people to have their pockets become light, and greed, being in human nature, isn't going to let that happen. That's why it's one of the most disastrous things in America. That decision was one of the most disastrous things in in history. Mm -hmm. You know, it's all well and good for Hillary Clinton to pay lip service to saying, you know, this is a bad thing, and Republicans being stone cold silent on it because this is how they make their money. But the reality of it is, is that neither one of the major parties want it to go away, because it allows large businesses and large money interests to keep throwing as much money as they as they can make at political interests to keep their uh, to keep their agenda on the table. That's really what it's all about. Noam Chomsky, actually, of all people, uh, has some incredible insight. Well, maybe you shouldn't say of all people. He's a, he's a brilliant man, but he says really America has a false choice between Republicans and Democrats. Most of these parties, you know, they're going to do the same thing one way or the other. They're going to give you these tepid middle-of-the-road decisions, but ultimately they're controlled by large money interests and those and they don't care who wins just as long as they can control who wins. Right, right. I get that. Okay. So So, to, so I guess to answer your question, the 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 real answer is it would be easier for them to learn how to raise more money. Interesting. So, have you um, are you familiar at all with Wolfpack? Absolutely. So, you think that it's easier to actually bring in a third party into the fold and have them successfully compete than it is having any chance at an amendment to, you know, obviously we're not going to get it through Congress, but they're I mean they're doing a pretty good job. They're up to I think maybe even half a dozen states that they've gotten to agree to this, um, and they need two thirds to to force a you know a convention. But there are those theories. You know, some people are worried about the runaway convention. Um, are you familiar at all with those kind of ideas? I am very much so. Yeah. And I and I honest God I applaud their efforts. But you're talking when you talk about states like California, New York, mm -hmm. uh, big big heavy money interest donors. They're just going to outspend you. They they have the one they have the they have the resources to do it. Then you go to poorer states like Kentucky, you know Louisiana, and uh, Kentucky, Louisiana, um, especially a lot of southern states that don't have the fiscal resources to match that. Yeah, they can vote for it all they want, but they'll never have enough you know umph at the table to make it a reality, which is unfortunate. 
because money in politics is, is the worst thing ever. Campaign finance reform has been something discussed since, I want to say, the 50s. Uh, well, what you're describing is the scene today, though, right? You're not talking about their power within, because the California already, I think, came to, they're already one of the states that has called for the convention, from what I understand. They can call for it, but it's not going to pass. So you, so you, okay. So I see what you're saying. So you're saying even if, in theory, we get the two thirds of states to call for the convention, once that convention comes, they're not gonna. They, you don't. They're still not gonna be able to pass it. That two thirds vote will be compromised somehow. Absolutely, because do you yeah. think that money interests are really gonna let it? Are really going to let something like that just slip off the table? They're gonna fight it tooth and nail. Absolutely. And here, yeah. and, and the only threat that really matters. I mean, this this Citizens United isn't about money. I mean, it's easy to say that, right? And that's a very colloquial way to look at it. But Citizens United is really about power. And what I mean by that is, is that Citizens United gives moneyed interest the ability to control elections, right? They have the ability to secure a certain level of performance. What they can do is they can look at people and say, sure, you can have your convention, you can do whatever, but if this passes, we're going to throw money at your opposition until you're voted out. Gotcha. So it just really it, it, it stops the game cold. I, uh, so as far as the other alternative goes, which is teaching the Green Party to better fundraise, or if you're more maybe on the Republican side of things, or more conservative, I should say, uh, the libertarian side of things, uh, is now the time? Is this sort of movement the time? Uh, for instance, uh, Nina Turner is a former Cleveland City Councilwoman. Uh, she's a state legislator and a voting rights champion. She has been, excuse me, she's been asked by the Green Party to run as the vice president to Jill Stein. Uh, they have their conventions coming up uh, this week, I think this Thursday. And so that, uh, she hasn't, I don't, from what I've seen, she has not um, declined or accepted the offer yet. But it seems that they're they're trying to bring in these Bernie Kratz, right, from the progressive movement that the Democrats yeah. have started. Do you think this is a, a great time or a better time than most to start getting that funding, fundraising capability going? Absolutely. The, the quicker yeah. they learn how to make that happen, the better off they'll be in the long run. Because right. here's the thing. The 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 big difference between a green party a money green party candidate and a money dnc candidate is term of vested interest if you've been a staunch, a quote unquote long term staunch supporter of the dnc and thrown money at it left after right and you've garnered the results you've wanted you're going to fight a lot harder to keep things going the way you want rather than a green party candidate who who's far more altruistic they don't have the uh, entrenchment that other that other parties do uh, that the that the DNC does, and they can say, "Look, we'll throw up the money to make this go away." Uh, think of it this think of it this way: they're they're not buying you know they're not buying access to the table; they're buying a vaccine. So they're saying, "Yes, we understand we have to do this to get this out, right. and we'll go through that process." But at the end, it's done. If we can get our people in, if we can get our people in play to vote this out, we'll do it unilaterally, and we don't we don't. We're not going to lose nearly as much as like the Republicans or Democratic Party would with it from Citizens Citizens United. Mm -hmm. Does it take this? 
polarized, you know, it's very polarizing right now. You know, if you look on media, you look at the people that are into politics, you know, there's not a lot of people uh, in any in in middle gray area, right? <laughs> uh, and if they are, oh, they're yeah. keeping quiet because they don't want to get stumped on by the people that are, you know, super anti-Clinton or anti-Trump. But I guess what I'm wondering is there's, we know there's moderates out there that aren't deciding or, or like aren't you know, getting into the fray. Yeah, like always. But I also see more people in the political fray than ever, like, you know, parents and like my Facebook page is, you know, unbearable because of all the people that all of a sudden are political experts, right? It's like, you know, a fight around every corner. So to me, I wonder, do you think moderates, I mean, we, we've seen lots of things saying that, you know, maybe the, the moderate voter is a little bit of a, of a myth in some ways. Uh, what is your, your view on that? Is that someone, are they hiding? Are they coming out this election season? What do you think? I think they don't want to get involved. I think they're tired yeah. of the knife fight. Um, <laughs> because, you know, Washington's a great example of that. Washington is one of those states where you and everybody you know is going to vote a certain way, and if you don't, you're, you're to a certain extent, it's not, it's, you're with us or against us. And what yeah. makes it worse is that if you're an independent, like, like you and myself, if we're independents, mm -hmm. because, you know, we we're not a single, we're not single issue voters, we choose to actually read our voting pamphlets, because sometimes <laughs> they're just hilarious, and uh, we care about the issues, we think about not only primary effects, but secondary and tertiary effects, you know, because we refuse to, to partake in a partisanship-based argument, effectively the red versus blue argument, you know, we're, we're the bad guy. We're somehow doing something wrong because, oh, you, you, you don't, you're not supporting Hillary? Do you want my babies to die, die in the womb and, and abortion? And you're like, wait, what? And then all of a sudden, oh, how can you support a war criminal who you know who's lied to Congress and has shady dealings in the past and has too many you know murders that she's just been able to skirt around, and you're like, wait a minute, what? What is all this hyperbolic nonsense? I just want to have a a clear policy discussion, and then both sides you get shouted down from both sides, because most of the arguments this time or most of the arguments this time aren't based around you know I like this candidate because of this policy. It's I don't like this other candidate more, so I'm kind of forced into this box. And people don't want to do it, but you know, then it's just you know, do you vote for you know the Nagasakian level catastrophe that is Donald Trump, or do you vote for Shillery Nixon? I mean, which is, which is it? And and that's how that's how you're going to be painted. For, that's how you're painted. Yeah. If you don't yeah. side with them, you're automatically against them. Yeah, that's definitely yeah, true. I've been finding that, a lot. <laughs> it's amazing that in the land of so many choices that we have when we go to the grocery store, we're only allowed to pick between two different sides when it comes to uh, who runs our country. Um, what role What role do you see either one of you uh, technology playing in leveling the playing field? So I know that uh, kind of Obama started it with being able to, to uh, organize and do some fundraising. Bernie took it to the next level with with Act Blue and doing fundraising that way, and on both sides. Um, but then there are other like apps out there, like Place a Vote, where you can put an issue out there and you can poll um, hundreds, thousands, millions of people, um, and use that information to make policy decisions. That what's on the cutting edge in, in your guys' mind is what are some technologies out there that can help level the playing field or help people make uh, more informed policy decisions. 
Well, the other point I would make um, would be that also you got to think about the fact that a lot of the older demographics are, like, if you look at Fox viewers, it's mostly older demographics. They're mostly only watching uh, cable news. And so as that's faded out and we get more regular Internet users, I think that's going to be a lot more important. So what do you think, Sean? I, I think that the Internet is the great white hope and the Titanic of information when it comes to, <laughs> when it com when it comes to political information. It's because, well, because it, it, here's the thing. If you are, and I, I don't mean to sound, this is going to sound condescending, but I don't mean mm -hmm. for it to be, but if you're an educated human being and you understand how to analyze a source, you, you'll you get the, you know, you'll go, oh, okay, that this is fan this is good information, this is non-biased. This seems to have, you know, the, the author has a particular angle or a slant or an agenda, and I see that and I'm able to discern that and get rid of it and take the information that I want. You understand how to, how to think critically about examining, you know, who's telling you something and why do, you want, why do they want you to know it. If you're not, then you're going you're gonna to go out and cherry pick whatever news articles you know, support your already your already uh, uh, your already supported position. Like if you, it, a classic case of this is the NRA. You know, any every time you know assault, and I see this every time. Every time you know someone brings up the idea of an assault weapons ban, the first article to come up is what's really an assault weapon, and then they just try to reduce and minimize everything that an assault weapon is capable of and they say see it's the musket of the 21st century it's the same thing that our founding fathers and the people that have blah 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 and really all they're doing is they're just justifying the position of I really like this gun don't take it away how dare you threaten me with you know into to despair and helplessness if you take away this this weapon that can kill 30 30 people in 15 seconds and it's like uh no 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 and who puts this article out the NRA under a guise of you know assault you know assaultweapons.com and so people always put that up and the minute you try to put up anything to refute that anything like by Michael Waldman or by John Lott or anything that would make the clear argument of hey you know we should really take a more of a policy all of a sudden you're against it so if you understand the difference between a good source and a bad source the internet is a wonderful place to get ideas it's a wonderful place to to learn about what your candidate wants, how they want it, and how they want to get it. And you'll see people, I mean, you, you always, the joke is, you never read the, don't read the comments section. Right, never of read course. The, it's, you, but, you know, every now and then, people in there will make, will have a good idea, and that's worth taking. Sure. But for the most part, you know, the separation of wheat from the chaff, of, you know, what's, what's a qualified, informed, you know, unbiased position on this versus, the rhetoric from either side or people who have a stake in that argument, that's a big difference. And so if you don't know how to do that, you're just gonna throw you're just gonna go with whatever idea all you already agree with. And that's where things get dangerous. So are you is that also a position against things like place of vote that are online based or just a more macro view of how internet can be the downfall of all humanity? <laughs> I don't think it's the downfall of, any, of all humanity by no. any stretch. Potential, potential. It is, but it is potential. I mean, I, there's. I, I'd say you know the thirty percent of people who know how to use it to gather the information they want, all the boring stuff. You know, sure. we'll go out there and we'll find we'll find the data. We'll we'll put all that together and and make things happen. But after that, right. you know, you get. I mean, because 
uh, for, I'll give you a case in point. Like from my research, my research was all about you know gun violence, and I used statistics. So did I get whatever statistics just happened to come my way? No, I grabbed things from uh, the FBI, the CDC, things like that. And you know, it, it takes some work, it takes some effort to drill down through all that stuff. But once you do, you have a very clear picture of what's going on. The problem is, is that if you don't want to take that kind of a time, that kind of time, and you don't want to develop that kind of uh, viewpoint of being able to ask the question, what's really going on? It gets real dangerous and real slippery real quick, and then you're back down to the comments section of red versus blue. <laughs> right, right. All right, man. Well, thank you very much. I know you've got to get going. Uh, is there anything to pitch? Any websites or anything to go to for you? Um, I am a uh, Big advocate of responsiblegunownership.org. They want to pass, you know, common sense legislation in regards to gun laws in, the, in Washington State. Uh, they're doing some really good work, and I encourage everyone to put your work behind, uh, to take a look at their website, see what they have to say. The big push for them is that they're not uh, they're not looking to take away people's firearms. They're just looking to put common sense things in play, like three-day waiting periods and uh, thorough background checks for all firearm purchases and close the gu uh, gun lobby loopholes. So, or gun lobby, I'm sorry, uh, gun show loopholes. But right. if you have any kind of thought process, I mean, they're doing good work. I support what they do. And I think that most of all, uh, you know, the biggest question people need to ask themselves when reading things on the Internet is, who is telling me this and why do they want me to know it? Great. Thank you very much, Sean McCrather. Uh, I hope to have you on again soon, and uh, have a good day. Not a problem, brother. I had a great time. All right. Thank you. Thanks again. All right. Cheers.